everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about how to lose weight with gratitude because a lot of times the level of gratitude you're feeling is having a huge impact on your weight. If you're ungrateful in general, uh, it's gonna be harder to control your eating, right? How are they related? Well, sometimes when we feel ungrateful about things, we tend to go right to the food because we justify it by feeling ungrateful, right? No matter what situation we're in, um, whether it's good or bad, we can look at anything and be grateful for it or not grateful for it. And so when we create a reality where we're regularly ungrateful and feeling like we don't have enough, then it's easy. To, it's almost like, like an emotional hunger, right? If we don't have enough, if we're ungrateful, we feel like that. We feel like I don't have enough and I want more. And that feeling is right right behind what makes you feel hungry. They're different, okay? I wanna make clear, your appetite and gratitude are, are different in general, um, but they originate from a similar spot. And when you feel truly grateful in your life for what you have, and you feel complete, you feel whole, you're content, you're grateful for what you got, you may want more, but you're happy for what you have and you feel satisfied, that is a way of being that supports you being more relaxed and calm with your appetite. So I, I promise you they're related um, in, in roundabout ways uh, because when you feel content, when you feel calm, it's a more peaceful feeling, first of all, and it makes you feel, because I, I, so, so, much of, so much of weight issues come down to eating when we're not truly hungry, right? It's this emotional eating. And the emotional eating, again, there's specific emotions we may be eating to avoid or eating to feel, but again, with the terms of gratitude, when we feel a sense of satisfaction and completeness with ourselves, when we feel grateful in life in general, we tend to be in a better emotional, mental, physical space to make healthier food choices and healthier life decisions. And uh, it's, I, I hope you believe me. You know, if you don't believe me, please just test it out and practice gratitude for a week and see if it doesn't make it easier to make healthier choices, right? So that's the first way that gratitude helps you is that I think it genuinely helps to reduce your appetite and it keeps you in a place where you are more at peace, more calm, more centered so that you can make better choices and decisions naturally, right? That's the first one. The second way gratitude helps you is literally in the weight loss process. You know, I was just doing a coaching call today and this person is down... I think 25, 30 pounds so far, but since the last call we had, which was two weeks ago, they were down two pounds, but they expected to be down six pounds. That was their goal, but they're only down two pounds. And so they step on the scale and they see the two pound loss, but in their mind, they were thinking six pounds, six pounds, six pounds, six pounds. And guess what? They feel discouraged. They feel frustrated. They feel like they didn't succeed. Okay. And so this is another way that gratitude is really, really important with the weight loss because the weight loss is gonna happen as it happens, but what you're expecting and whether you're feeling grateful or ungrateful is gonna have a huge impact on a lot of things that are going on along the path of your weight loss. Specifically, just one example, is stepping on the scale, right? And so in a state of gratitude, it's a lot easier to appreciate that two pounds. Wow, look at me, two pounds, I'm doing, I'm doing the right stuff, I'm going the right direction. As opposed to when you feel ungrateful, and you step up and say, ah, two pounds, that's nothing. I'm never going to make it. This is it's not working, you see? And so really creating this, this attitude of gratitude, um, it really, it's not this corny thing. It's a practical, genuine strategy to help you master your weight. This is why it's one of the top eight habits that I always suggest for people. You know, it's really, really important, okay? And um, 
it just, it keeps you in a better headspace because, you know, life comes at you and everything's good and bad. And the way that we experience it really dictates on how we're thinking about it, what we're focusing on. Okay. And so as we practice gratitude, we practice looking at things and looking at them in a positive gratitude filled way. And it is that mindset and that way of being that just brings us naturally, more naturally, I'll say, towards making healthier choices because you feel more grounded. You know, it's more the direction you want to be. When you're living at your goal weight as the person you truly want to be, do you imagine yourself to be full of gratitude or not? You know, so that's another third way it helps you is it puts you into the, the goal that you want because I know part of your goal is not just to lose weight. It's to become the person you want to be. And I know part of that person is to feel grateful, to be full of gratitude for all the blessings that you have in your life. And I know you have a lot of them. I know you probably have challenges too. But again, it's a, it's a, a process of developing, looking at the world with a gratitude mindset so that you can more easily identify all the things you're grateful for and that you're blessed with. You know, again, it's an attitude. And it obviously, I think it's, it's, I think it's obvious, I hope it is, how it's gonna support you in this journey. All right, so take some time today, this week, and really think, start looking out at your life and asking the question, what am I grateful for? And start answering that. And you can't, you never finish answering it, you know? You keep asking the question each day, each and every day, you keep finding more and more things to be grateful for. And I think if you do this for a week, I think you're gonna validate everything that I just said and find that in its roundabout way, it absolutely is a valuable key part of your weight loss and ultimately weight mastery, all right? So test that out and use it because I think you're gonna be very happy with the results, all right? Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Love to answer them. Miss Independent, hi Jim, missed your lives, have not received the notification lately. Oh, that's weird. Um, yeah, that's weird, right? I, I'll be honest, TikTok's been acting, acting a little weird lately. Um, this is true. Uh, <laughs> what qualities do you look for to man? Stanky, stanky, always with bringing the fire in the, <laughs> in the lives. <laughs> What's up, Erica? Kathleen, you got back from beach vacation, went out to eat every night. Happy with what choices I made. Grateful for hearing you talk about mindset. Yeah, that's awesome. I went vacation too, and I ate out every night, every morning. Uh, I was like a, a croissant eating contest. <laughs> I'll put seven pounds on over the week, you know. And then I broke my foot. Got back and just just broke my foot. So um, yeah. But, you know, let's just continue with gratitude for a second because I'm not just blowing smoke, you know, up everyone's backsides here. I genuinely, as part of the eight habits, the eight habits being in order of importance, I believe, proper sleep, hydration, relaxation, breathing, nourishment, movement, meditation, gratitude. And I really do practice this gratitude all the time. I feel it's genuinely a core part of it. And so here I am this week. I broke my foot, right, on Monday night. And I just got back from the orthopedic surgeon. I don't need surgery. Thank God. But if I needed surgery, I, I would have looked at that with gratitude, okay? And so let me just give you some specific examples how. And I know there's worse things in the world than breaking a foot, okay? But I would do this no matter what happened to me. I, I genuinely, genuinely practice gratitude. And so I knew Monday night, I pretty much, pretty sure I broke my foot. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, my foot's killing. And I'm, again, I know it hurts. I'm not happy about this. It just, it screwed up the foreseeable plans I had. I had a lot of plans for the next two months, a lot of trips, plan, a lot of things fun. And so I'm sitting there, my foot's all messed up, you know, and, uh, but I'm looking at, it, I'm saying, okay. And I get the negative voice in my head saying, oh Christ, all, all bad stuff. But then there's that, that coach voice, which I've developed, which is always encouraging the gratitude. 
But what are you grateful for here? Well, I'm grateful I didn't hit my head. It, it was kind of a freak accident, but I could have hurt myself a lot more. I could have not hurt myself at all too. I know that, <laughs> but I did and I didn't hurt myself worse. So I'm grateful for that. I'm also looking at, okay, this is gonna be a challenge, but it, it'll be interesting. I'll become a better version of myself. It's a new experience. It's a challenge I can learn from and grow from, you know, and I'm gonna learn new things because it's a difference. You know, so anytime something changes in your life, you learn, it's an opportunity to learn new things. So I, I genuinely practice this. It's not natural. <laughs> it's something I, I intentionally develop. Again, what questions am I asking? How am I looking at things? I certainly know how I can look at it and feel frustrated and annoyed by it. And I've gone into those places, but I also practice pulling myself out of them by looking, geez, it could have been a lot worse. There's an opportunity here, you know? And so again, if you start looking at life that way, it doesn't fix everything, but it certainly makes it easier because all of us got all this bullshit to deal with in life. At some point or another, it's coming if you're not already in it. And so, so much of what you're experiencing is not even what's the reality, it's how we're interpreting it, you know? And, and so we always, again, everything's good and bad, everything, in my, my opinion. And so it really comes down to how, what are we focusing on? And the main way that we focus is really what questions we're asking ourselves. And so as we start asking more gratitude-inducing questions, it's, it's one of the fastest and easiest ways to change your reality. You know, like, again, you know, those people are just focused on the external reality part. And, and I get that. Obviously, you want to change external reality, too. But the fastest thing you can change is how you're interpreting that reality. And as you tap into gratitude, that's the fastest way. It's like putting a different pair of glasses on, right? You can have shit color glasses. You can have rose color glasses, you know? Now, again, we don't want to just be in a fantasy world, not realizing reality. But gratitude world is we look at things accurately, and then we intentionally make the decision to just feel great gratitude for it. You know, I'm alive. I'm breathing. Let's start there if we have to. And sometimes you have to, you know. So it's, I think that's important. Um, yeah, Pamela says, how do you feel about intermittent fasting? Love your no-nonsense approach. Thank you, Pamela. Um, intermittent fasting, I think, is great. I do a version of it. You know, I, I, I've been doing this for 30 years. It wasn't called intermittent fast when I started it. So I think that was a good thing because I was able to back into it almost. I, I didn't, my eating at night was the worst habit I had, right? I would snack every night. Somebody 800,000 calories on average. It was a lot of snacking. <laughs> and um, I'm like, I got to get rid of that habit if I want to get control of my weight. And so I, I kept pushing that back. So first, I'm not going to eat an hour before I go to bed. Two hours before I go to bed. Okay. And so here I sit before you. It's 30 years of I stop eating usually 6, 7 o'clock at night and I eat the next day 7, 8. So, you know, some people may say, well, that's not intermittent fasting. So those last two hours are the ones where all the magic happens. That's bullshit. And what really matters is First of all, you don't have to do it right away, jumping into 16 hours. If you want to do that and it feels great, you knock yourself out, do it. Um, but if it's overwhelming to you, you can work up to it. And again, the main thing is to figure out what works for you. Now, on the positive side, I love intermittent fasting. But again, I didn't look at it just that way. I loved it because it was the first time in my life I gave my body a break from eating. And it was amazing because especially if you focus on the further you can get from eating to going to sleep, so, so the, the more space you make between your last meal and sleeping, I think what you're going to find is you sleep better. You know, assuming you ate enough, you can't starve yourself all day. I'm not talking that. I'm talking when you consumed enough food and now you have a few hours before you, you stop eating, then you wait a few hours and go to bed. You're probably going to find that your sleep improves tremendously. You know, mine did. Thought I was the worst sleeper in the world. I used to be really hot. I would be tossing and turning all night. I stopped eating before bed and I sleep much better. And now I know there's a number of reasons why. Digestion is one of the number one uses of energy in your body. It takes a lot of energy to digest food, especially if it's highly processed food. 
And so when you're eating right before bed, it's like your body's getting ready to rest and relax and you're now it's got to run a marathon to digest all this food. So um, yeah, that, that's intermittent fasting I think is good, but I think people jump into it too quick, overwhelm themselves and they, it, it's a very unpleasant process for them. But I am a big believer in intermittent fasting. I think it's very natural and normal to take breaks of not eating. And I think if you go about it right, it really feels amazing. Um, so it's not something I have to have to do. It's something I love doing. I love just giving my body a break. I, I find it very energizing. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. But again, program yourself then. The, the number one rule is that there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. All of these diets work, okay? Every diet works if you follow it. And the, the thing is, does it work for you? That's the question you need to start asking more and realizing that, you know, listen, all of these diets are just strategies to reduce calorie intake, daily calorie intake, you know? And so why I say that because you can pick and choose from different diets and create your super diet that's built for you. That's what we do in the Program Yourself Thin course. There's, a, again, a 60-page workbook that you fill out and you create your mindset, lifestyle, eating blueprints, you know? Um, but you've got to create your own. You're a unique person, you know? So you got to honor that. I, it drives me crazy with the diets because people just approach the diets and they'll just like, you know, someone they've never met doesn't know them. They're just going to do what they say in, in terms of eating. Well, you know what I mean? Like, like the keto thing, where you're never going to eat carbs again, ever. You know, again, all of these diets are so, they're really built for the short term anyways. That's another story. Um, so anyways, you got to make your own your own approach. Um, Kathleen, oh no, hope your foot is healing. It is healing. I'm feeling really good about it. I'm I'm fired up. And plus, I just went to the doctors and uh, they're like, you don't need surgery. It should heal up. Just take it easy with it. And so that, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Very thankful for that. Um, definitely surely missed your great, amazing advice. I always look forward to it every day. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be back. It's fun. Uh, Irina says, I really like your content. Thank you for great advice and inspiration. You're welcome, Irina. I, I'm, that's why I make it. So thank you. Having a positive mind does help. Yeah, right? Positive mindset is the most important thing. I mean, that's why I say your mindset's the number one thing affecting your weight. More important than your genetics, your hormones, your insulin resistant, all of it. Your mindset is ultimately the number one thing. And it's the number one thing, you, you and yet you never learn about it. You know, and I'm going to ask you all, I mean, what? where have you learned about how to deal with your mindset with weight loss? And I ask this genuinely, you know, if, if you genuinely have learned about mindset in an effective way through some program, please write it in the comments. I'd love to know, you know, because what I see a lot of times is very, very limited mindset work. And pretty much most diets are just saying, you know, basically, here's a meal plan. Here's here's what you eat, you know, or if it's a workout, here's here's to work out. And then you're left with the plan. and It's up to you to just follow it. Right. And what do you got? You got willpower to force yourself to do it. And you're fighting against yourself the whole time. And what it becomes is just a, how long can you do it? And it's usually a couple days, couple weeks, maybe a couple months, typically, right? So, um, yeah, again, we want to get, uh, we, we want to have kind of a mindset-based approach where you transform yourself from inside out by changing how you, pr you think. If you change how you think, you're going to change how you behave. And if you change how you behave, you obviously change your weight, you know? Um, yeah, two hours before sleeping would be great. Again, the more hours you get, the better, I would say. You know, four hours would be ideal. I don't know if anything more than that would make much of a difference. But um, yeah, the more hours, I would say, probably the better. And everyone's a little different, though. Um, thanks for that information, and I'm going to try it. Maybe start at 410 and make my way up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 1410 is, it's fine. Again, you got to understand, listen, I don't know. Like, like I, I was talking about this yesterday, right? There's like, there's the... Weight loss is built around the all or nothing mindset. I think we know this, right? All or nothing. 
And I think that that, that comes into the strategies too, as the strategies are given into us as all or nothing. And so intermittent, strat, intermittent fasting, well, obviously you're probably gonna get your best results if you're not gonna eat for uh, 16 hours a day. Okay, that makes sense, right? The less eating, probably the better, ultimately. But what if you usually eat, you know, 17 hours a day, right? 16 hours a day. And so to go eating 16 hours a day to eating eight hours a day is an enormous shift. It's overwhelming for most people. If it's not overwhelming for you, great, you know? But if it's overwhelming for you, what most people do is they'll do it for a couple of days and say, oh, geez, I can't, I can't stand this. Well, no shit. You just went from <laughs> eating 16 hours a day to eating eight hours a day. And it's totally thrown your whole reality off. And so it's just, it's intense. It's funny, I was just driving out to the doctors. I was thinking, weight loss, I don't mean to freak you all out, but losing weight is like, no one ever talks about the real aspects of losing weight. And that is, I was like, losing weight is like deciding one day, tomorrow's Monday, right? So tomorrow you're going to start writing with the other hand. You're going to change the way that you walk. You're going to start, uh, you know, I don't know, what else? What are automated things? You're going to brush your teeth with the other hand all at the same time. And I, I just said as an example that your, your eating is, is subconscious in nature. It's automated. And when you diet, what most people do is they're trying to consciously control something that's meant to be automated, right? Like if I said, okay, from now on, you got to consciously control your breathing, right? We're all going to be in trouble, right? Because it's hard to remember to, what to do. And that's one of the reasons why the diets aren't working for you. Is you're approaching, in my opinion, wrong and um, using willpower to try and change everything all at once. When in reality, what we should be seeking to do is we're training ourselves, we're practicing, we're becoming a thin person. And it starts with changing how you think, goes into how you behave, and ultimately turns into how you look and how you feel. You know? um, as this is true, I had a snack right before bed for the first time in a while last night and slept horribly. Yeah, that, exactly. And I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Someone in, my, in the program, Erica, I don't know if she's still here, but she, um, she goes, I had a piece of cake, and that was just right after dinner. And she wears a, a watch, a garment, I believe it was called, and um, it has, it gives you a body battery count. And for the last, you know, couple of weeks, she's been at 100, right? She's been eating real clean. She had this piece of cake right after dinner, got up the next day and her battery, body battery was like 80% because she didn't sleep as well, you know? So um, yeah, it's very interesting the way we eat sometimes. And I think that's, that's where I would always aim. I always, and that's partly I'm a little biased, but it's a common problem. One of the most common, I'd say number one is people snacking at night. And so I say, if you can get that one, if you can influence that one, it's a good one because it has, it has, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has exponential benefits to it, right? If you, if you get yourself to not eat two hours before bed, there's a reduction in calories. That's good. But then there, you're also setting yourself up to have a better night's sleep. And if you have a better night's sleep, your chances of waking up the next day more refreshed and having a better day of eating go way up and your body operates more efficiently. So that's like a leveraged activity, you know, changing the nighttime snacking because you also get better sleep typically with it in addition to re reduce calories. Um, how to deal with the negative emotions. Oh, what was that? Um, hold on one second. I, you know, it's hard with these, these questions because um, like if I, if I don't get them right away, <laughs> I get a million of them all at once. Um, Oh, okay. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Erica said, yeah, I prefer not to live with shit color glasses. Uh, how to deal with negative emotions so I don't binge. Okay. That's a great question. And I wanted to talk about that. I knew I saw that. Um, how to deal with negative emotions is such a great question. I, I just did a whole coaching call on this with, with someone. 
and ultimately it always comes down to this with people because you know in my opinion emotional eating is the main reason that you're struggling with weight right because if you just ate when you were genu- genuinely hungry and needed nourishment and you nourished yourself and then stopped you'd be at your natural weight right so a lot of the extra weight issues come down to emotional eating either eating to avoid feelings we don't want to feel or eating to feel positive emotions we want to feel or some mix of those so a lot of times to, to start this conversation off i want to just give you a, a phrase i like to use emotional malnourishment now we know what physical malnourishment is if you eat low quality food or you eat twinkies all day that's a you're going to be you're going to be nutritionally malnourished okay but i think a lot of people are walking around emotionally malnourished and what i mean by that is that we've been trained in this culture to deal with our emotions through food it's one of the main emotional management strategies we have is using food feel like shit go to food feeling great let's celebrate with food you know and so what ends up happening though is that that food is not real genuine emotional nourishment no it's not okay let's let's use the typical example let's say you worked hard all day stressful life job all the rest of it you get home it's eight o'clock oh finally i get to relax with my ice cream right and so you feel like eating that ice cream is relaxing you but is it really relaxing you i'm not going to disagree that it's relaxing for that 10 minutes half hour hour that you're eating it okay but if we zoom out and look at the full 24 hours if we zoom out even more and look at a full year of that behavior is that behavior and all the consequences associated with it are those is that making you happy when you look at the big picture when you look at it more, what we could say is more accurately. And I would say most people would say, no, that that's not making me happy. And that's exactly right. So the things, you know, when we think we're having, when we're feeling negative emotions and we think the food's going to help us, that's one of the biggest traps we can get caught in. So how do you deal with negative emotions, right? That's a challenge because most people are starting with on the ground floor. You, you may have no, I've worked with a lot of smart, smart, smart people who have no strategies to deal with negative emotions. I, I was one of them back in the day. So it is a process of learning it. I just want to point that out. But what the process becomes, starts with, is being able to articulate which emotions you're experiencing, okay? So negative emotions is just the, the first door you walk through. You need to get more specific than that, okay? Um, because you need to have clarity about which negative emotions you're feeling at which times. Because sometimes you might be triggered by loneliness. Sometimes you might be triggered by sadness sometimes you might be triggered by financial stress okay there's a lot of different specific negative emotions that can trigger binge behaviors so the more specific you get in articulating them the further you move down the path of finding a solution to them because if you just say how do i deal with negative emotions well that's so vague it's to means almost nothing okay when we get specific we'll say well i feel lonely at night okay what are some ways you could feel less lonely in your life and feel more connected i, say, I don't know I, I don't know in your life, when you felt more connected to people, what were you doing? Oh, well, I guess I used to go out with my friends a little bit more. I used to go to yoga class. I used to be part of a improv group, whatever. It doesn't matter. But now we, we started with loneliness and now we can articulate the antidote. And the antidote would be maybe, I wanna feel connected. Again, it's up to you to figure out what the right words are. But let's just use this as an example. So now we have loneliness. That's way more specific than negative emotion. And now we know the antidote to that is probably feeling connected to someone, feeling love feeling part of a unit, a system. I'm, I'm, again, I'm just projecting. Um, but now all of a sudden that solution is articulated in a way where you can start working towards the figuring it out to making it a reality, okay? In a much more specific way than just negative emotions. How do I deal with negative emotions? 
Well, that's a bigger question. Now, again, you can deal with negative emotions. The first thing I'd say is, is be aware of your physiology. <sighs> it's difficult to feel negative emotions when you relax your body, when you breathe more deeply, when you manage your posture, you know, so that you're upright, aligned, relaxed and calm, breathing more fully, relaxing your face, your shoulders, your chest. It's harder to feel negative emotions. So just in a general sense, that's a strategy I'd suggest to you. Okay, but then you want to drill down and get specific about what are the specific emotions that triggered the binge. And the way you're going to figure that out a lot of times, Christy, is after you've binged. So again, this is the main, the main tool we use in Program Yourself Then is the redo technique, which is followed by the rehearsal technique. But the redo technique is the opportunity to look back at a binge and say, what was going on there? I don't want to binge. I want to cut my eating down so that I can lose some weight and become healthier and happier. Um, so what happened there? And then you look back at it and you may find, oh, I was too hungry. Or I got overwhelmed with sadness and I had no strategy that I could turn to other than food in that moment. So if I go back in time, what's something else I could have done? Maybe I could have called someone, talked to them. Maybe I could have gone over a friend's house. Maybe I could have gone to the mall and walk around and just been around people. You know, Again, there's a million solutions. It's up to you to figure out which one works. But the main process is defining the problem in a specific way so that you can come up with a specific solution. I hope that helps. Um, what's up, Lizzie? Glad you're here. Um, I love your videos. Thank you, big dog. I appreciate that. Um, yes, overnight fasting is great, but need build muscle, needed long-term fat loss plus longevity. Yeah, sure, sure. Building muscle. Yeah, building muscle is great, but you don't need to, you really don't need to build muscle to, I'm just talking about weight loss here, okay? So I'm really not even talking about like peak health. That's not really what this is even about. Um, but you, you don't need to build muscle to lose weight. I haven't lifted a weight. I haven't worked out in any intense way for 30 years and I've been the exact same weight. There's one little blip a few years ago, but um, I think it's better for you. I'm starting to, I'm starting to do more resistance training now because I do think it helps with uh, longevity and quality of life stuff. Okay. I don't think it hurts with weight management either, but I, I just want to be clear. If you can't work out or build muscle, you can still lose weight. I, I just want to make that clear. Um, how to deal with negative emotions when you're used to coping with eating. Yep. I just answered that one. Yeah, yeah, education and growth mindset. Yep. Any tips on dealing with negative emotions if it doesn't include eating? Yeah, again, it's just come up with strategy. So I will tell you this, Chrissy, just kind of following up on it. It's ask more solution-oriented questions. So um, not, not tips on dealing with negative emotions, but start by asking, what do you want to feel, right? Because sometimes when we focus on the problem, it feels like we're going to get to this magical solution if we focus on it long enough. But kind of like it's just like a tunnel. It brings us down that way of thought. If we can stop ourselves for a second, okay, you know you're feeling negative emotions, if you can articulate them a little more clearly, okay, fine. And then we flip it over. How can I feel? What do you want to feel? Happy, successful, calm, relaxed? I don't know. But as soon as you start articulating specific things you want to feel, then you start asking, how can I feel more calm? Well, relax your body, take a deep breath, whew, exhale out. That's a way to feel more calm, you know, and then you can build from there, okay? Um, what about binge eaters? Every time I go on a diet, I lapse and crave my intolerant foods. Yeah, Sophia, okay. Th everyone does that on a diet. It's called the counter-regulatory effect. And it's, it's really unique to dieters because most dieters make the mistake of overcorrecting on their first day, right, right in the beginning, right? The dieter mindset, which you probably all have, unless you're in the program or listen to me all the time, is that you're thinking about weight loss as a temporary thing, right? You think about losing the weight, that's the finish line. Let's just get there as quick as possible. Well, the quickest way as possible is to just follow any of these diets and follow them perfectly, okay? But for most people, that's a way overcorrection. The classic is, you know, Weight Watchers was saying 1,200 calories a day at one point, 
you know, but the average American's consuming 2,700 calories. That's a 60% reduction in calories on day one that you think you're going to maintain until you lose all the weight. It's asinine, you know? And so people just set themselves up on this endurance test. And if you know endurance test, you don't, you never, you can't beat an endurance test. It's just to measure how long you can be on it. And that's how most people subconsciously are thinking about weight loss. They're thinking as a short-term, you know, uh, endurance test. So the first thing you want to do is realize well, program yourself, then we do a 5-2 model. We have five days of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating. And that's really important because the second you start a diet out, you think, well, I'm never going to eat carbs again. Oh, I'm never going to, you know, eat vegetables again. You know, I'm never going to, whatever, you know, elimination diet you're following, um, you're saying, I'm never going to do that again. And it, it elicits a feeling of deprivation. And that's one of the main triggers of the binge thing after you've done well, you know? So again, this is based on a lot of psychology, the 5-2 model. But they did, a, they did a study where they cranked up people's cravings and then they offered them chocolate cake and they would have them say different phrases to deal with the cravings. And they did the class, well, I can't have that. No, you know, I'm on a diet. I'm not gonna, I can't eat that. Um, I shouldn't do that. You know, I'm trying to lose weight. And um, there was one phrase that worked better than all of them by a mile and it was, I'll have it later. And again, the reason why that felt better is they weren't saying no to it. They were saying, I'll just have it later. And that really is effective. And that's what the 5-2 model is built on. So every week, you know, every Monday when I start eating clean, I don't feel like, oh, I'm going to eat clean forever until I lose the weight. That feels overwhelming and, and I get panic stricken. Uh, I, I say to myself, I just got to get through five days and then I can eat what I want on, on those other days. You know, so that's what I'd suggest. You know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's really, it's the strategy that you've been trying to enact. The dieting strategy as a whole is just horseshit. It, you're not the only one, Sophia. I mean, most people experience exactly what you experience. You know what I mean? 95% of people fail to lose weight long-term on a diet. It, it's not you folks. If you, if you get nothing else out of this, please internalize that. Stop blaming yourself for not losing weight. It's not because you don't have enough willpower. It's because you're following a horseshit strategy. Dieting is, the, is it doesn't work, man. <laughs> and uh, to test that out, just to point it out, like if you ever hear anyone you know say, I'm going to go on a diet and lose some weight, did you, do you believe them at all? Is there a cell of you that believes that it's going to happen? Right. And, and that's how you feel when you say I'm going to die to lose weight. You don't believe it, you know. So please stop dieting. There's something weird about humans where we just want to keep. It's right. That, that's saying for a reason that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expect a different result because humans be crazy. We just I mean, how many times you tried the keto thing? How many times you tried Weight Watchers? You know, why would why would some Monday coming up be any different than all the Mondays previous to this? Like, why would all of a sudden some Monday pop up and all of a sudden you're able to follow that plan perfectly until you lose all the weight and then keep it off forever. Like, what's the difference in you between right now, who you are now, who doesn't want to do that shit at all, and then all of a sudden magically you're going to wake up some Monday and be like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to count, my, I'm going to, all my points are going to be under forever from now on. I'm never going to eat a carb again. You know what I mean? Like, this, this all or nothing mindset is, is a killer, you know? And again, and program yourself, then we're all or something which is probably the most valuable thing you could learn. Let me give you the, the, the spiel. Um, most people are all or nothing with their weight loss, right? Usually they're nothing. And then something happens, pain-based, spontaneous pain-based event. You step on the scale. You see the picture of yourself. Uh, your clothes don't fit all of a sudden. You're just, oh shit, that one, I swore I'd start if that stopped fitting. Um, someone says something shitty to you. You got a doctor appointment coming up. Something happens. You get really upset about the weight. And you say, that's it. I am going to do it this time. And you go and you kick back in your old, I'm going to track all my calories. I'm going to count all my points. I'm going to stop eating carbs. I'm going to stop eating for 16 hours. Whatever your plan is, it's strict. And you're going to do it perfectly. And now we're in all mode, right? And you're in all mode for a couple of days. 
maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, once every 10 years, maybe, you know? And um, then what happens? Next thing you know, you don't even realize it, but next thing you know, you're back to nothing, right? And you alternate between these two, which is to say you basically have two mindsets. You have an overweight mindset and you have a dieter mindset and that's it. And you bebop between the two of them. You know, you have no idea what a thin, healthy mindset is. It's a story for another time. But so we got all or nothing thing, which is what most people do. They think, okay, I'm going to go to all and be perfect and lose the weight. But a better strategy, in my opinion, is to stop focusing on trying to be all, all the time and instead focus on stop being nothing. Start being something all the time. You see, we go from nothing to something. That's weight loss. And it's comfortable. It's sustainable. It's easy. And it's maintainable. And then you get better at that something and you'd be a little more something, a little more something. Then you get really fired up, motivated, and you become all for a little while. And then you become a little more something, a little more something. That's how I'd suggest you go about your weight loss. It, it's a way more strategic, effective approach. Um, thanks, Lizzie. I'm glad I don't need surgery either. I'm really happy about that. Um, I feel I may faint. Well, sit down. Oh, it's lagging. Can someone in perimenopause with hormonal imbalances do intermittent fasting? That's an interesting question. I'm not an intermittent fasting expert in any way, so I will leave that one to the... Uh, I have experts and doctors, um, Mary. Um, agreed weight loss, huge mental shift. Yep, yep. I remember what you said about all or something has really helped me instead of all or nothing way. That's why I just said it. That, that is an effective... That, right? That's a great great mindset reframe. Um, Chrissy, what would you do to deal with the negative emotions instead of eating? Yep. Um, Chuck, thank you. You're 1,000% right. Chuck's a superstar. He's doing awesome on the program. Um, Julian, how to get motivated when you're close to your goal but want to shred 10 more pounds. Okay. That's one of the hardest challenges. And I think, this is just a thought, and I'll make buy, buy it or don't buy it, but I think sometimes, I was just talking about that, that overweight or diet mindset. And I think sometimes people don't realize that there's no, as we get close to our goals, sometimes it's uh, it's scary. I know it doesn't make sense, but what ends up happening is you know how to be overweight, you know how to be a dieter. Oh, thanks for the heart. Um, but you don't really know, how do I live at my goal weight? How do I live, you know, kind of shredded 10 more pounds? How do I just be that person? That's part of it, I believe. Because I believe your body, your physical body is just a physical projection of your mental self. You know, this is a big part of the program. We really start by changing, identifying and changing your self-image. You know, if you're overweight, you most likely think of yourself as an overweight person. Okay, so what I, what I was saying is get that last 10 pounds or just getting started I think what you want to do as much as possible is put yourself into the mindset of already being there, okay? So in your mind, imagine what it's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, but more what it's going to feel like. That's a more powerful motivator. What's it going to feel like to be 10 pounds more shredded, okay? And, um, and then finally ask the question, do I really even want to be 10 pounds more shredded? Because you probably don't. <laughs> That's another, that's kind of the simple one. But if you're still here, let me know. Do you really actually want to be 10 pounds more shredded? And if so, why? And, and I would say there's a good chance you, you don't have a real clear meaning and reason why you want that. I'm going to guess. But let me know if you do because I'm going to get to it. If you do, I'll, I'll come back to you. I have to lose 12 kilograms for a knee operation. Can you help? I love your program. Um, oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, great. I, I'm glad you like the program. Uh, knee operation. All right. You got to lose 12 kilograms. Okay. First off, do you really need to? Like, will the doctor not do the operation if you don't lose it? That's one question. Um, I, I get in this conversation all the time with the word need sometimes can be tricky um, because a lot of times people misuse it. They, they use need to when they don't really need to. They want to. 
Okay. And so be clear about, do you need to lose the 12, 12 kilograms in order to get the operation and do it? Or would you like to lose 12 kilograms because you have a personal goal you have and that's what you're setting up for yourself? That's the first important distinction. Um, I see you as, okay. And um, so the next, yeah, how, how do you do it? Well, it's the same stuff. Strategically, you look at your eating on a typical week and you start looking at where am I consuming the most calories? You know, so you got to kind of stock how you eat typically. This is why I always say like, there's no right or wrong with, with your weight loss. It's, it's up to you. It's whatever works for you. The one exception I think is I think you've got to structure your eating. I think if you don't structure your eating, losing weight becomes almost impossible. I've never seen it done, you know? So anyways, you start structuring your eating, eating in some stabilized way. So you're eating similar things for breakfast, similar things for lunch, similar things for dinner. And you have, again, we do a five, two model, five days cleaning, two days of pleasure eating, but whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. You just need to have some structure so you can start to take a step back and look at your typical eating over a week. And now you can start to be strategic because now you can say, oh, I usually eat a donut in the morning. Okay, maybe I'll cut the donut out. I cut a donut out. That, you know, that's a step forward. You know, that, that's three, 400 calories a day. You know, if you're eating donuts every day. So again, you want to look at your eating strategically. I always suggest people look at your worst eating habit. Whatever eating habit you have that you think is most responsible for the extra weight, start with that and focus on that with all of your focus and energy. Never mind trying to change everything all at once. I mean, what? What, what are we doing? You know, it's so crazy. In any other context, that would seem so silly. You know, but with weight loss, we've just been habituated and normalized to that, you know? So anyways, I'd pick your, your worst eating habit and I would go to work on that. And that would be your first step to the 12 kilograms. Um, Chrissy says, when you feel sad because of a specific person that you cannot connect to anymore and therefore eat. Okay. So I get that. So that's more detail. Yeah. You feel specific. So it sounds like maybe this was a, a relationship when, when it's separate ways, you can't see that person or they passed on whatever reason you can't connect to them anymore, but it's connection. And I, and I get that, you know, again, I think part of managing your emotions, this is a, a conversation, you know, I almost, I, I always talk about the weight mastery pyramid, mindset, lifestyle, eating. And, and a lot of times I always think of like taking emotion and making that a, a fourth level. I don't just to keep it simple, but, but in the mindset section, there's a whole, I think maybe I, I, sorry, I think they're all important, but there's a whole section on managing emotions. And so th this is kind of a, a subject I can go really in deep with, but Part of managing your emotions is really accepting that you're going to experience shitty emotions in life, you know? And so it sounds like you may be in a situation that you didn't choose. Whether you lose someone and they pass away or they just move out of your life, it can hurt, right? It leaves a hole in your heart. It hurts. And so it's not as good as if they were in your life and everything was great. So we start with that premise, okay? Oh, thank you. That's a cool one. I haven't seen that. Um, we start with the premise that, that sometimes life sucks, you know, and it's not fair and it hurts and it doesn't feel good. So we acknowledge that and we sit with that. You know, a lot of times I can tell you this from personal experience. Well, you lose someone. Let's just talk about loss, grief. So you lose someone and there's the pain of loss, the, the grief, right? So that's the first pain. But then a lot of times people make it worse. They pile onto that pain with the fear of feeling that pain. I did this, right? My father died when I was nine and I, I didn't, as awesome as my mom was, emotionally, she didn't really have the resources to, to really support me in that way. She did everything she could, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I didn't know how to deal with these emotions. And what I ended up doing ultimately is a binge drinking and eating a lot of food and doing very dangerous stuff um, because I didn't know how to deal with all this pain inside of me. And what I realized is the, there was the pain and then there was me scared to, to fucking death to feel that pain. And what came to me as a solution ultimately 
in the form a lot of meditation and yoga is I got I learned how to sit with the pain and the pain hurts you know what I mean it, it's it's painful but by nature but what I realized it was less painful than what I'd been experiencing with because before I had the pain and I had the fear of the pain and now I just had the pain so it was less pain if that makes sense so the first step of managing your emotions in my opinion especially when it's painful stuff is to sit with it and to sit and manage yourself you know, just relax. And, you know, I started this whole conversation today about gratitude. And one of the most amazing questions I ever asked myself in terms of my, my father dying, I'd never asked this question before. Once I thought about it, it was real transformational for me. Now, I've done a lot of work to get here. So I don't want, if this feels overwhelming to you, just let it go for now. But one of the things I was asked was, what is something that good, what, what's something that good that came from him passing? And I'd never thought that way before. And I was able to look at it and say, well, you know, it put me on a different path in life. And I, I like the path I'm on. Now, I still, I, I love my dad. I would have loved him to be alive forever. But, but it was, again, it was starting from that point of pain and then saying, okay, I want to feel better. I've experienced this pain. I had this relationship and now it's not here. And I can't get it back for whatever reason. How can I make things better moving forward? And, and so I think you first start by sitting with the pain and experiencing it. And then you... Once you had enough of sitting with that and, and really being with it, then there comes a question, how do I want to feel? And I think from that place, it brings you into that solution territory. And the answer is obviously different for each person. I couldn't answer that for you. But um, it's not about eating. Do you see? It's not about eating. Eating's just a distraction. I mean, you could do drugs. You could gamble. You could do a million other things to distract yourself from the pain. But that pain's still there. And once we go into the pain and really resolve it, we, we don't need all those other things, you see? So I can't sit here and say, oh, how to stop eating? Well, who gives a shit? If you stop eating, you're still going to have the pain under there. You know, so that's how I look at, like, I, I don't blame emotional eating. I'm not, stop, a lot of people beat themselves up for the emotional eating. I say stop doing that because that emotional eating is you trying to do something positive. You're trying to, to ease the pain, distract yourself, relax yourself for a few minutes. You're trying to do something good with it. It's just, it's a shitty strategy, always. Because if you get to the end of it, if 15 minutes after reading, you don't still feel relaxed and calm, you don't still feel good and happy with yourself, then it wasn't, it genuine, it wasn't genuine emotional nourishment. So I hope that helps. Um, what would be the solution to that? Yep, I just answered that one. Um, don't go in your kitchen after six. That's a good, good call. What's up, Regan? Uh, J-Max, J-Max on here? I know a J-Max, that's funny. I, I don't assume you're the same J-Max I know of. <laughs> It'd be wild if you were. Uh, some people do. I don't remember what we were referring to. I was a drug addict. I smoked cigarettes for years and now I'm sober but can't get rid of food addiction. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But again, you know, that just goes back to what I was saying. A lot of times when we just go from addiction to addiction, it's because we haven't fixed the core problem. That, that's one approach to it. You know what I mean? And so I like looking at it that way because, again, if there's some pain deep down that we haven't dealt with and that we're running away from, we just go from addiction to addiction a lot of times. That's what I was on that path, you know, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was straight on the path to, to substance abuse, 100 miles an hour, you know, and it's just, it's by the glory of the universe that I, you know, I took a semester out from school and just this stuff all popped into my life. Like, it's, it's just like a miracle to me. In one month, I was exposed to neurolinguistic programming, uh, hypnosis, Tony Robbins, personal development, yoga, meditation, guitar, martial arts, all of this stuff. It was crazy. And, um, yeah, it changed everything for me, you know, but I, I, I can relate to every, I know, and I still deal with this stuff, but I have such a better strategy to deal with the pains in life, you know, than I had. 
And, and th- that's what it is. So it's not, so I, it's not about the food addiction so much. Probably is something deeper that, that could be resolved. Um, do you think that being overweight has something to do with a wounded inner child? Um, I do. Yeah, I definitely do. I, I use those terms a lot in the program. I don't talk about them too much on lives, but I think like transactional analysis was a 70s kind of psychological um, concept that's pretty interesting. And I like taking out of it that they're the, the ones, the child, the parent, and the adult, if you know anything about that. And I think that a lot of people that are struggling with their weight, they have two voices in their head. They have a child and they have a parent. And the parent is the part of you that's always beating you down for not eating right, not doing the right things. You know, that really negative voice, perfectionist voice is always making you feel like shit. That's kind of a version of a parent voice. You could have great parents, by the way. This isn't a reflection on your parents. Um, this is how we internalize people that were disciplinarians. We can just forget all the good and just they become that negative voice in our head. So that's the parent voice. The child part of you is a little is a party that wants to eat better, wants to do well. But every time you do it, the second you make a mistake, that parent voice is right there making you feel like shit. And I think you're probably locked in this dynamic of, of parent-child. The child wants to be healthier, wants to do better stuff and feel better. And then the second you try and do it, you make a mistake, the parent makes you feel like shit, then you stop. Okay? So programming yourself then really, one of the things we're doing is we're developing an adult voice, a coach voice, a warm, encouraging, supportive voice to guide you along this journey. Because you don't have it right now. I know that one. I'm looking right at you. I know you do not have an adult, encouraging, supportive voice guiding you along the, your weight mastery path. I know that 1000% I've never talked to you and I already know that you've never realized that your entire life until just now. And I promise you that's one of the core reasons why you're struggling to lose weight because you have a voice in your head. Imagine, right? Let's bring this out into the world. Imagine someone like goes and they eat well for the day and then the next day they're eating well and then they, they eat a couple potato chips off their friend's plate right? Now all of a sudden this voice comes in, look at you. I knew you weren't going to do it. You already screwed it up. You already ate some chips. You piece of shit. You, I mean, it gets mean, right? (laughs) Mean, mean, mean. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're just deflated, discouraged, feel like shit. You wonder why you can't stick with a plan, (laughs) right? Is it any wonder? I mean, is this resonating with anyone? I don't know. Hit me some hearts. Do you feel like this resonates at all? I mean, does this explain anything? Do you feel like you might have a parent perfectionist voice that as soon as you make a mistake is just all over you making, and you feel like total shit. And now you're scared to start a diet because you're scared to fail. You're scared to hear that voice, right? You don't have a voice in your head. Imagine if you had a voice, you eat those potato chips and the voice says, that's okay. That's we, we learn from that. Tomorrow, make sure you bring an apple. It's all right. It's, it's not a big deal. We're going to learn from that. We're going to grow from it and keep moving. That one little thing means nothing in the big scheme of things. Let's just go for a walk today. We'll burn those calories off. Let's just eat better tomorrow, another day. It's what we do consistently that matters, not that one little thing. So buck up, camper. You're going to be all right. You're going to do this because you're going to feel better than you've ever felt in your life because you're on a great path now. Do you got that voice in your head? <laughs> Have you ever in your life thought about your weight loss in that way that I just described? You never even just randomly, you know, and that's a big part of program yourself thin. I mean, that's why there's hypnosis sessions in the morning. It's five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. And I'm putting all these positive mantras and ideas in your mind because you have no idea how to think like a thin, healthy person, you know, and so you need to learn that, you know, um, anyways, uh, Maggie, I'm losing weight with these three things I've been taking barberine, 5-HTP and Ovisism. Good for you, Maggie. Good job. Um, what if you miss a specific person that you cannot connect to anymore and therefore eat? Yep. My birthday's tomorrow. Is it okay if I have some cheat meals? Should I lower my cows the next day? Yeah, definitely. I would definitely um, eat more on your birthday because you're going to anyways. 
And so take the pressure off. And if you don't eat more tomorrow, you'll eat more the following days. You'll be pissed off to eat more on your birthday. So yeah, eat a couple calories tomorrow. And if you want to lower the calories the next day, it's cool. If you don't lower the calories the next day, it's not going to matter. One day of eating of extra calories isn't going to do shit to your weight. It's not. Okay, not in the long run. You know, maybe this week it might. But in the long run, it's not going to make a difference. So yeah, if you want to lower your calories the next day, fine. But enjoy your birthday and celebrate it. Again, I tell you, you know, I talk about the five days of of, ple- of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating. And there's so much in there. I could talk about this for hours. But the, the two days of pleasure eating, a big part of that is learning how to have a healthy relationship with food. And in my opinion, a healthy relationship with food is, you know, eating what you want to eat when you want to eat it in a moderated way where you're at your goal weight. You know, and have eating extra on your birthday and eating things you like, I think is a smart move because it's celebrating, it's enjoying. I think food for celebration is great when it's used moderately. I'm using food to deal with my broken foot and the stress of it. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm very aware of what I'm doing though. You know, and I know it's not going to keep going on, but I'm okay. I spent five hours in the hospital. I don't know. Am I going to need surgery? Am I going to be able to walk right? What's going to happen? There's all this stress. Hey, my, I got ice cream last night at eight o'clock. I'm eating sandwich. I'm not eating my salads. Hey, it's okay, Jim. It's, it's understandable, you know? Again, most people don't look at it that way. But I'd say, yeah, enjoy yourself tomorrow on your birthday. Enjoy the hell out of yourself. Don't go nuts. Don't eat so much that you feel like shit, but, but enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? The next day, if you want to cut some calories down and eat cleaner, great. You know, do that. What if there are too many bad eating habits? They're all the worst. <laughs> That's funny, Sophia. They're not. They're not, Sophia. Don't think that way. People think that way and they overwhelm themselves. I guarantee they're not. I guarantee you got one glaring eating habit that's worse than all the rest. It's probably eating at night, overeating it at dinner, snacking in the afternoon. I bet it's one of those three. And if it's not one of those three, it's one else. But there's one that's worse than all the rest. And if there, are, if you have all three of those, I would start with eating at night because again, you'll cut the calories down and you'll sleep better. And your sleeping is a fundamental aspect to what's controlling your weight. Um, good points, to be honest. I think 10 pounds off would help my confidence. Hey, that's great then, Julian. So if it's going to help your confidence, first of all, start feeling more confident now. Okay, don't wait to feel confident until you lose that 10 pounds. Start feeling like that shredded, kicking ass Julian now and let that you emerge from inside out. Does that make sense? Start being it now. You got to stop that bullshit because if you just say, oh, I'll lose 10 pounds, I'll be shredded. No, then there'll be something else. Start feeling confident now and use that confidence to get to that that goal of yours. Okay, and um, I think that's a better way to do it. Um, thank you for your advice and the want me to lose 12 kilograms to get the operation. Okay. So yeah, so that's important. But again, same thing, start with your worst eating habit and go there and then keep putting your, your head into the place of where your knees all working, you know? So again, what a lot of what I'm saying here and a big part of the program is putting yourself into your goal state, right? So whatever the goal is, you, you want to get your knee operated on and working great. And you want to be lighter. So you're more comfortable and mobile. Great. Take some time each day and connect to that goal. It's very, very powerful, folks. If you don't know that, go to my TikTok and watch some of the videos. Like, um, I, I do, I do like one like at least every week where it's about connecting to what it feels. Oh, I'll get a better one for you. And, and I meant to say this anyways. If you're not in my world, if you're not on my email list, go to my bio, my TikTok bio, click that link and get the hypnosis session I give you. Okay, it's called the New Thin Me. It's a weight loss kickstart session, and what it does, it helps you clarify and connect to what your goal is. So Ingrid or Astrid, sorry, um, get that session. That that's what I'll be. That's what I'm talking about. What I'm saying will make a lot more sense once you've listened to the session. It's only ten minutes, and what it'll do is it help you clarify what your goal is, and it'll help you connect and feel it. That's the key thing. Start feeling it, and then I also give you a training, three steps to master your weight. I email you great stuff every day, 
um, just coaching and supportive stuff for you. And I just added, I just sent this out to my email last week. It was a seven day mindset course. It's awesome. It's free. It's all, all free stuff. I got a coaching program too, if you're really serious, but I, I'm here to help you regardless if you can get the program or not. Um, Erica says, I don't think I ever learned to sit with the pain. I just use food to distract from the pain. I get that Erica. And I'm telling you, like, just so you know, I'm not bullshitting you all. Like I do this with emotional pain all the time and it's been an absolute game changer but i literally did this the other night with the physical pain you know like i i hurt my foot at seven o'clock at night and i knew right away i was like oh shit um but so i'm just sitting there i had elevated i'm like i can't even move and the pain is just like and i'm just again this is the benefit of meditation to be honest but i'm sitting there present with it and i'm feeling the pain kind of go out into my body and freeze up all my muscles. So I stop breathing. And the more I do this, the more painful it gets. And so I realized that. So when you sit with the pain with your intention pure and aimed at it, what I did, and it wasn't that hard, is I'm feeling this throbbing pain and I'm relaxing and letting it go. And I'm I'm sending it back down to my foot. I don't need it to take over my whole body, which has a tendency to do. So emotional, physical pain you know, if you sit with it and you have the intention of how can I reduce this? How can I feel better? I'm not going to eliminate the pain. I just busted up my foot. I know it hurts, but I'm going to sit here. How can I make it better? And that wasn't that hard to do, to be honest. I had to do it a number of times because the, the pain kept taking over. And I, I took, I don't want to be clear. I took, um, you know, like, like naproxen, like a leave and I Tylenol. So I'm, I'm also managing chemically. I want to be clear. Um, but I'm also mentally managing by sitting with it. What can I do to feel better? <sighs> relax, calm down. You know, yeah, your foot hurts, but let's just relax. It's, it's, it's throbbing. It's pain. What is pain? You know, it's the time with it. It's very interesting. And did it make the pain go away? No, but it reduced it considerably. And that's what we want to look for. We don't need perfection. We want progress. Very important. Um, your dad would be very happy how much you are helping others. Well, thank you, Kathleen. I really appreciate you saying that. I always I had an idea for a book. It, I think it might turn into a chapter of a book called Saving My Father. I don't think it would take much psychoanalysis to figure out, you know, the reason I'm here doing this is, is you know, triggered all by him. And so I am. This is one of those things I'm grateful to be on this path personally because I'm, I'm so much healthier and, and happier. But to be able to share this with so many people is just, you know, I think you're right. I, I, that, that, makes me, that makes me happy you said that. Um, Chrissy says, thank you so much. I hope that helps you, Chrissy, because I know sometimes it can feel like there's no answers, but there are, there are answers. Um, do you think you can ever get rid of the pain completely? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I'm being honest and I don't think you have to, you know, I think it's important that uh, it's, you know, and again, like, like people want to hear this sometimes, but I, you know what I like to be, what I value more than anything else is practicality. You know, we could all sit out here and talk about perfection. And I just think it's unrealistic most of the time. And so, you know, if you think in your mind, oh, I'm going to do this stuff and I'm going to get rid of the pain completely, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. I still feel pain from different things in my life, different losses. Some people passed away. Some people are just out of my life. Some people I'm just not in communication with. So there's all these different pains I feel randomly, which is okay, you know, because I don't get, I don't get mired in them now. I'll feel them for a little while and I can bring myself out of it pretty much. You know, so if it's my dad, oh, I miss my dad. I can get randomly just depressed and sad about my dad. It was over 30 years ago. For, no, 40 years ago. And I can still get sad about it. So the pain doesn't go away completely, but that's okay. That's not what you need. You just need less pain less often and you'll be way better off. All right. Um, <laughs> J-Mac says, no, good. If you knew I was talking about it, it'd be the funniest thing in the world there on here. 
<laughs> Never looked at it like that. My adult voice is pretty bad. I, I would say, you know, just, I'm not saying you can't have a negative or a bad adult voice, but I like to make the distinction that it's probably your parent voice and you probably just don't have much of a well-defined, well-established adult voice. Most of us don't. Just to be honest, we didn't really have great, healthy adult role models around, emotionally healthy and all the rest of it, you know? Um, and so we kind of have to figure it out for ourselves for most of us, you know? Um, yeah, Julian likes that, the, the point about the parent-child. It, it really is a good one. That is a good one, you know? Um, so true. Do you recommend fasting? Um, yeah, it's fine. You know I mean? Make sure it, it resonates with you though. <laughs> Jack says, can you do me a favor? Uh-oh. You never like to know what comes after that on these lives when you hear something like that. I love the five two. Yep. That's awesome. I'm very aware of what goes in my mouth, but I still eat it. Um, yeah, no, I get that. The awareness comes in, but what has to happen is in that situation, it's not the awareness that precedes what you're doing. I would focus on the awareness that follows the consequence that follows whatever you ate. And again, what I'm looking to do with people is shift their awareness from the consumption of the food to the consequence. So when you start asking questions, when you're making your food decisions, when you make part of that decision, how am I going to feel 10 minutes after I finish? That, that's what I'd start working on, Stephanie. Start bringing that awareness into the process. And I think that's going to serve you well. Um, I get very hungry at night. Yeah, a lot of people do. You may not be eating enough during the day. That's probably the number one reason um, or there's emotional reasons. But usually that's because you're not eating enough nourishing stuff during the day um, or it's emotional stuff. Fair point. You're very clever. Thank you very much. Um, Law of Attraction, Bob Proctor. Absolutely love that guy. Thank you for your advice. You're a weight loss genius. I'd love to see you help on 600 Pound Life Show. Me too. I would love I would love that. I hope to get a show someday. That'd be awesome. Um, what's up, Don? How's it going? What are your favorite, favorite things to drink? Um, water, coffee, beer, wine. Those are really the only four things I drink. And um, water's the best one, obviously. But, you know, whatever. I, again, moving away from sodas is a smart move, I think. And... Um, you know, it doesn't have to happen all at once. One of the easiest ways to stop drinking soda, if you drink soda, though, is watch some documentaries about what sugar does to your body. That's a helpful way. And then just working on working on eliminating that. All right, we got to get out of here. Got a call coming up. Um, again, if you're not on my email list, go do it. Go do that today. Uh, I give you all sorts of stuff. Um, if you're really serious about taking control of your weight, go check out my program. Um, find out how to work with me. And uh, you can obviously sell my videos on, uh, you know, sell my videos on TikTok. I always got new videos coming up. Uh, YouTube is Jim Katsoulis and you can see some things there. They're pretty good. And then the podcast is program yourself then. All right. All right, everyone have a super day and we'll talk soon. Bye.